Good day to you all, and welcome to Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker, and I'm joined, as always, by Jack, my dad. How are you doing today? I'm doing just great. And you? Pretty good, pretty good. I um, I uh, used to be part of a bowling league, and back on March of 2020, we shut down. And uh, they started up again uh, over last uh, fall, last summer. I guess it was summer, but it stretched late, and it just wrapped up, uh, uh, I guess they, this summer, this past summer. Anyway, they just wrapped up the summer league uh, like a week or two ago. Last night was the first night of bowling for the fall, so I went and tried my hand at bowling for the fall. And uh, the first night of bowling, you set your your uh, average, and then from there it's adjusted each week as you score. But when you first bowl, there's no averages because nobody had bowled, right? So we don't yeah. really know. And it's a handicap league, so you need to have your average because they create a handicap based on your average to sort of make things fair so that if you've got a team of really, really good bowlers, you can bowl against some people who are not as good, and they still have a chance. And so, you know, there's a strategy by a lot of bowlers to say, go in and, you know, don't bowl your best the very first night because you don't want to set your average way high and, you know, damage your <laughs> handicap. Well, dumb old me, I was having a great old night and bowled the best set of three games that I've bowled in the last three years <laughs> of bowling, you know, <laughs> and uh, and had my single highest scoring game in the last three years. I went, well, th- so much for my handicap. I mean, it'll, it'll average back out over a while, but, yeah, I don't think I could. I told my teammates, just don't expect that every week. Please don't expect that every week. It's just, you know, it was working, and, you know, I'm, I've never been one of those to, like, you know, sandbag and say you know you know play the strategy of it i just go in and bowl and i always try to do my best and uh boy if last night didn't prove that but uh well (laughs) what 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 drives that is if there's money on the line and yeah and there is but it's not like it's you know fortunes or anything but it's at the end of the and the money's on the line at the end of the year there's a there's a you know a, a portion of our our dues each week pay for the the bowling alley and a portion go into a prize fund and uh you know and so that prize fund gets paid off at the end of the league you know 20 weeks 30 weeks away and so uh you know i mean there's there's some money there but i figure it all averages out anyway so my average is going to be whatever my average is going to be but i suppose you could spend the entire year bowling crappy so that you could then go in and win and pat yourself on the back but what fun is spending 20 weeks going in and bowling crappy, you know? I mean, <laughs> what fun is that? So, yeah, I would, you know, I, I'm doing it for entertainment, not for uh, an, an enjoyment. And you know what? You know, I mean, you know, you, you are my father. You you know the competitive juices that flow through my blood. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like losing, and I'm not going to purposely bowl badly and lose for 20 weeks so that I can win a few bucks at the end of the yeah. season i'm just not gonna do it that's not fun yep. that's torture <laughs> yep so yeah yeah so, anyway so, you, anyway uh, as long as my back doesn't uh give out on me i'll i'll try that you know i mean it's it, that's my that, my biggest issue is my back you know it's it's there are sure. times when i can't do it so there's there's weeks when i won't bowl at all just because i can't you know can't do it but uh gotta, gotta stay relaxed yeah well it's not a relaxed thing it's just bad back thing but anyway we've got lots of stuff that we uh kind of 
put in our lineup this morning. One of them is terrestrial GPS, which I wasn't really aware that we were doing this, but apparently there is a uh, an effort underway to create a te- terrestrial-based GPS because our uh, our satellite-based GPS system is getting older, and the very fact that it's flying around in satellites it makes it uh, vulnerable, I guess. And, you know, I mean, it was originally designed, you know, it's become a consumer thing, but it was really designed for the military originally. And, um, you know, uh, the thing is, is, you know, it's we're not the only ones who have satellite GPS systems up there that, you know, initially when you said GPS, it, you meant the American GPS system. But now the Chinese and the Russians and, you know, there's multiple co- uh, co- countries that I think even the European Union is, is putting up their own uh, GPS systems. That, that's why the the uh, space is getting so full of crap and mm-hmm. junk uh, that uh, they're beginning to have to start to think about what happens uh, if if you get hit by some of that stuff because uh, yeah it, the probability is getting up into some fair numbers you know yeah yeah space is a big place but you know we've been continually putting crap up there since the sixties so. <laughs> It's, you know, and there's been, you know, accidents. And so there's when you have two things collide then uh, or 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 a piece, you know, explodes or whatever happens, you know, there's accidents that happen up in space. Now there's bits and pieces of debris flying around from those collisions and, and explosions. And so now there's lots of tiny little pieces that are going faster than a bullet flying around. And, you know, they weren't put in a specific orbit that we know what it is, right? There's just lots of tiny, right. tiny pieces. In well, fact, go ahead. you get pieces, that's usually from a collision. So that mm-hmm. that's a random kind of thing. And so there's a lot of space junk that's random up there. No one really knows where it is. Mm-hmm. And it's small enough, it's not very detectable and trackable. So it's uh, it presents a serious problem. Yeah, I remember reading. I'm trying to see if I can find the article. Um, about the the group that that tracks all that space garbage, and they're you know, and they actually track it down to a pretty small size. It's pretty amazing how little the pieces are that they actually know, you know, and, and track. But you've got to, like you said, if there was an explosion, how do you know how many pieces there are in which directions they were going? Trying to track all that stuff is um, is yeah. uh, almost impossible job. Anyway. Uh... Uh, I've been aware of the uh, the concept of ground-based uh, GPS positioning. Uh, in fact, it was uh, instituted very long time ago, but they just mm-hmm. didn't refer to it except in the, in a specific applications because of the the, uh, the the negatives associated with a ground base. Now, all you're talking about here is location, and being a GPS, location is everything. And mm-hmm. so uh, even the satellites uh, drift and they have a correction factor so that there's a whole agency responsible for uh, providing and updating on a regular basis the uh, stored uh, precision corrections in, in each of the satellites, the 31 satellite array that's, a, that's actually up in space. And so it, that's an ongoing thing. A lot of people just aren't even aware of it. And the reason for the drift is a lot of space jargon uh, that uh, over time we've found solar winds and 
and lots of different things. The real problem you, you, you have to discern is what is really uh, something that doesn't move, that how, how do you determine what doesn't change? And there are lots of discussions on that, but mm -hmm. I think that at least in one direction, the uh, position of the magnetic field that's through the center, the poles of the Earth, mm -hmm. have uh, are the the correction agency uses that as one of the inputs, and so they're right. really into understanding where that is. Yeah, and, well, and uh, people don't realize that's that does that's not perfectly stationary. It does move, but they they are able to they know they know the movements so well the, the downside of the magnetic thing is is it depends where you are as to how you see it mm -hmm. uh, the radios aren't that way you know you you can see and the reason they're up in the sky is that you can see more than one and and they they never they never want you to use less than four you don't need but three but the fourth one is kind of like a uh Parity bit in a byte chain so that it's a corrector. Right. Know, something got a whack. Right. So, it's, it's the check. The check yeah. sum, sort of. So, so well, and anyway, those are, the way, they're, the way they're used for, for commercial use or for military use is different than the way they're used for uh, for commercial use, is what I meant to say. Military, like, they, they used to limit, and I don't know if they still do, they used to limit the uh, the accuracy of the one GPSs that you and I would have, like, in our phones. They so do. That, yeah. yeah, and I don't know if they still do that or not because the uh, accuracy of the phones has gotten much, much better. And I know a lot of the phones also use, uh, uh, you know, terrestrial corrections based on known um, locations of cell towers. So, you know, you're already attached to a system via radio um, yeah. so they can triangulate that space pretty well, too, and help help narrow down where you're at. No, no. The only ones who can uh, can access the best uh, data from GPS have to have the GPS classified codes right in their in their request, and and that's changed routinely, like all all uh, classic classified stuff is. Sure. And so, uh, uh, military planes and stuff have access to those codes, so they can use the best technology, right. and uh, the. Uh, I, but I was started out by talking about supplemental uh, satellites, if you will. They really weren't, weren't, weren't satellites, but um, at certain locations, uh, like at airports, uh, mm -hmm. uh, for purposes of if you want to have some extreme accuracy in the landing zone, then then you would put a ground-based transponder there. These, by the way, all these technologies are referred to as transponders, whether they're in a satellite or in a ground base location. Uh, so they, they, uh, they respond to some, something that comes from the person who wants information, uh, you know, a request. So, uh, anyway, uh, that, that request has, has got, as, as I indicated, some, uh, special things that it's it's got to say it's got an id number and and a code if it needs to use the better system uh for you know the, the best answer and uh and anyway the final calculation is done in the receiver that's that's what you and i use in the car or guys, right air force uses in their airplanes and whatever mm -hmm. and that's where you do the triangulation after you've You've, 
you've you got a response from four different transponders right. within a certain short period of time. Right. And yeah. Well, and that they're all based on clocks, right? So it's all timing. Yes. Everything is timing, and everything is based on a very high precision clock that's that's uh, using the frequency of a certain crystal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's a, a very steady clock. That that's why it's. Uh, and I forgot right now what it's what, a timex uh, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking I, well no, no they, they use quartz I'm, crystals in watches and this i don't remember the type I've, I've read about it as well the the the, the crystal is it's different but it's um super right. super accurate and that's how we're able to to get it i know that the um that the commercial gps used to be you know that you could find your location within uh, a fairly large area and that has gotten much much better and narrowed down now um, I remember early GPSs that they had for like traveling in your car. Very often, you know, the, they didn't know which side of the freeway you were on necessarily. Or, but now they pretty yeah. much can tell which lane you're in. So they've gotten much, much better. Um, you know, like if uh, like in, in in my area, there's a, a section of freeway that has um, literally free lanes, and then there's some toll lanes. And if you happen to, you know, decide to take the toll lane, it knows that you're on that side of the the roadway and that you're in the toll lane. And so it'll then adjust your uh, arrival time based on the fact that you're on the toll lane and not on the the open highway. So yeah. by, that accuracy is... By the way, the other key idea behind GPS from the get-go was the knowledge that there is a certain distance from the Earth where you can have what they call synchronous orbits. And right. when, when that's what really brought about the the building of the GPS system is that we if we knew that if we put uh, 31 satellite array in synchronous orbits and that meant they relative to the rest of the Earth, they mm-hmm. pretty much stood still. Yeah, uh, they f- they fly through the sky at the same speed that we rotate. So as far as yeah. we're concerned, they're always in the same spot. That's how the satellites work that that we use for like satellite TV and stuff too. That's why you're able to take a dish and point it in one area and right. get it. Although that's different than what is happening with like uh, what uh, SpaceX is doing with their satellite uh, internet because they're doing very low, uh, uh, yeah, low, they, low orbit satellites that are moving all the time. But the idea is, is that you your dish basically sticks straight up in the sky, and that you can pick up enough of a signal as they come through. And there's enough of them coming through in this band that they've put these things in um, that you can maintain connections. Anyway, no, knowing those distance, you can calculate how long it takes for the signal to get to the satellite and back. And right. so the further out it is, obviously that that grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, the, the, the last thing I kind of want to say is uh, regarding the geosynchronous orbit, uh, nothing's ever perfect over time in the sense that the satellites are still affected by gravity pull from every other object in the sky, mm-hmm. uh, but mostly just the stuff within our own solar system. I mean, that's, that's significant. Yeah. But, but at least all of the planets and the sun and all uh, uh, do cause the, the, the satellites to drift, and each one drifts at a different rate, so they have mm-hmm. to be cal- calculated. Uh, yeah, it's amazing a, the reach of correctly. gravity at a distance, isn't it? People don't think about that, but, you know, the, the, the alignment of planets and, you know, where Jupiter is so large in our solar system that where Jupiter is 
can affect the positioning of things, you know, even in space, in orbit around our planet. Um, by the way, the Defense Department's Global Surveillance uh, Space Surveillance Network is the group that tracks space junk. And they track things down to about, um, uh, what does it say here, about four centimeters? So, I'm oh. sorry, no, about 10 centimeters, so about four inches is the, is the stuff that they track regularly. Um, and it was interesting here to read, in 1996, a French satellite was hit and damaged by debris from a French rocket that exploded a decade earlier. And that, they they estimate, put out about uh, 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 3,000 bits and pieces, some of which are too small to track. Uh, in 2009, a defunct Russian sp- spacecraft collided, destroyed a U.S. Iridium commercial uh, satellite, and it added 2,300 pieces of large trackable debris and many, many smaller ones. In 2007, China's anti-satellite test, they intentionally shot a missile at and destroyed an old weather satellite, adding another 3,500 pieces of trackable debris and many, many smaller ones. Um, and the um, the... They have a uh, a collision avoidance shield, a debris shield that they that they put on okay. sections of the space station, and it can withstand impacts of particles smaller than a half inch, about a one centimeter uh, sized piece. And they mm-hmm. track, and, and it, but but if you you put that with we track things down to about ten centimeters, which is four inches, and we're safe from things under one centimeter. Everything between one centimeter and four centimeter can do bad damage, and we don't have any way of protecting ourselves from it, and we don't know where they are. <laughs> that's that's scary. I, I tell you what, you you don't think the people who are who are flying in space are heroes or are, are are putting their life on the line? You know, people think, oh, it's no big deal. You know, we go up into space anymore, right? Um, yeah. No, those those people are, uh, you know, the, the our our astronauts. I'm not talking about the 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 folks, you know flying up as space tourists but i'm talking about the people going up there to do work and try to further the science they they are they are heroes uh and they're definitely putting their life on the line by being up there and the longer they spend sitting you know floating around up in that space station the 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 odds you know the odds don't change but the the odds of getting uh having something happen continue to get worse um, for them but anyway uh, i i I thought that uh it was interesting that this article that that we're reading about where there uh, there's a number of proposals for putting satellites on the ground with different pluses and minuses, but they there's a headline that I that tickled my bunny bone. It says iRobot launches a new Roomba that can avoid poop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought about that as a navigation issue? <laughs> um, ironically, I have, but but for a completely different reason. Prior to having a Roomba. I got a puppy at one point, and said puppy was put into a little, um, we had this like six-piece like fence that you could put together in a circle to kind of put the puppy in the middle and keep him there, and so we were gone for the day or left for work or whatever, I don't remember what it was, but anyway, the puppy's left in his little pen, and we left. We come home, puppy has taken, first of all, puppy does what puppy does, right, you know, he he ate, and then the food comes through, and we figured, you know, there's there was a pad there and you know of course the dog doesn't use the pad but he was on tile so we could clean it all up the dog had pushed the pen he got excited and pushed the pen around the house and smeared his excrement 
<laughs> so we came home to this lovely puppy and a an entire like kitchen dining area just with this oh, big boy. brown smear on it. We just kind of went, you've got to be kidding me. So then spent the next hour cleaning and sanitizing our kitchen floor and dining room floor. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, <laughs> I can imagine what it would be like if you have an animal in your house that does that. And, I mean, obviously you try to train your pets to, to not do that, right? Or you just keep them outside. Uh, but, well, yeah, wow. Well, we have, a, we have a small laundry room that we put our doggy in. Uh, mm-hmm. but we put her instead of just leaving her out in the room because she'll scratch the walls. We mm-hmm. put her in a, a, a fenced area inside that room. Right. Well, we, then we, the first time we did this, we figured, well, gee, since she's in that fenced area, we'll just leave the door open. Right. We got home and it's like you said, she, she pushed the, the whole cage out, out through the door. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, no, they are very inventive and, and, and very determined. And once they find out that they can throw their body weight against something and make it move, they'll just keep doing it, move it right out to where the people are. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, they're funny, funny, funny little creatures. So anyway, so, no matter how good your technology is to do something, you always got to look at for the outliers or right. other things that can can make it go wrong. I want the Roomba guys to do the opposite. I want them to create a poop picker upper that you just, you know, have a, a robot that goes around out in the backyard and picks yeah. it all up. That's that's what I want. <laughs> I want yeah. you know, save me some work. Don't don't avoid the poop. Go find it. Pick it up. <laughs> Dump it in yeah. a box for me to then I can empty the box. That's much easier. Um but uh well. I noticed well, that they do have robot uh, lawn mowers now, but that makes me a little nervous. You know, something driving around with blades out in my backyard that just goes when it, you know, when it's scheduled. Yep. I I, I don't have that problem. You know, the indoor vacuum doesn't bother me as much, but something that's you know driving around through my backyard with big blades, you know, I just yeah, I it don't just know. seems like it needs to be supervised somehow. It does. That to me, bo- that bothers me a little bit. You know, and. uh and I don't, you know, I, I mean, it's not like I can think of anything. I mean, through the, I guess, you know, uh, once in all the years of mowing my lawn, I went out to mow my lawn and a bird had, a baby bird had fallen out of its nest. Okay. Yeah. Me with my lawnmower knew to stop and, you know, deal with the baby bird. The automated bird, lawnmower wouldn't, and that would have been, you know, awful, but right. I wouldn't have been there to see it. So I guess, it, I don't know how awful I, you know, I wouldn't have felt bad about it. I probably wouldn't have even known about it. But, but uh, uh, you know. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of that you, that, you know, it's not like my dogs are going to be out there with the lawnmowers running around. They, they well, head, head for the hills as soon as I go get the lawnmower. Or, or so. worse yet, some kid pushes their way into your yard, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some little kid or something, you know, that doesn't know any better. Or, you know, I just, I don't know. There's just sharp blades spinning around by themselves when they decide well, to take off is a bad idea. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like a Tesla flying down the road at 100 mile an hour and somebody says, oh, I've got an automated steering so I yeah have to i'll take a nap yeah no yeah. you're right you're right that's not smart either and they've been told not to do it and yet but that people that's still what do you it. get when you trust people yeah you know people are not trustworthy in general yeah yeah they'll well you know honestly i i think and i mean this is just my thing but i'm surprised that 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 the government hasn't come back to tesla and sued them because they call it, you know, self-driving mode or autopilot, full self-driving. So they call it full self-driving mode. 
Yeah. Okay, that is misnaming it. It does not do that. It is not full self-driving. And if you read the instructions, it tells you. But people don't do that. They just go, oh, it's full self-driving. Yep. You know, put in your destination, take a nap. And, yeah. False you know, advertising is not, is not good. It's, yeah. It's false, false so, advertising is no different than what uh, a lot of uh, uh, big tech companies today are calling, uh, you know, uh, misinformation that's causing people to uh, yeah ab- abuse uh, yeah how how they're not there's not some liability for some of this stuff there i mean you know to this day mcdonald's has to print you know this drink is hot on their coffee because people spilled hot coffee on themselves and then said well i didn't know it's gonna be that hot you know I was like well it's hot coffee it's hot you know, yep. but they sued McDonald's and won. So now McDonald's has to label their coffee cups. This is hot, <laughs> and, and that does and that doesn't solve the problem either. That's just a legal issue. It's still hot, and somebody's going to get burned from it. Yeah, you know? no, but now they can say, "Well, we labeled it hot. It's not our fault." You know. Yeah. And they so, say, "Well, you sold it intentionally to somebody who doesn't read. Now it's your fault again." <laughs> you know, like, yeah. How do I know he doesn't read? <laughs> he came up and ordered from the menu. I didn't, you know. Right. Yeah. Anyway, this is. Uh, I know this you. Is the you can't legislate. In, right? You can't legislate stupid away. That's that's the thing. Is you know, it's just you can put all the laws in place you want to protect people from themselves, but you can't protect people from themselves. They carry themselves wherever they go. Yeah. You know, and I say they. There in in any given situation, I could be the stupid one. You know, I you know I think you know I I may an intelligent thinking being, but in any given situation, you know, you can catch me on a day where I'm not paying attention and I'm just like, oh, that was stupid. You know, I saw a T-shirt the other day I thought was pretty apropos. In fact, I thought about getting one and said, you know, I'm pretty sure my last words will be, well, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, mm. let's, uh, let's yeah. move on to move let's on move from on, move on to the MacBook Pros that are ex- expected to be out here for too long. Yeah, well, they're saying right now that the inventory on the current MacBook uh, Pro line is is dwindling, which is uh, you know usually a sign that something is afoot, right? That uh, they're not replacing inventory in stores, and if you go to order something, they may not have that specific setup and so especially if you're doing the custom orders you know if you go to apple and say i want one that you know has twice the standard memory and and has extra uh storage or something like that and then when those are like not available then you know it's like wait a minute that's a custom build why isn't it available it's like "Ah, new stuff's are coming if history holds true they'll announce it tomorrow because they usually announce on tuesdays and it'll happen then the following week so, you know, if they announce on the 5th, that means that then the um, the actual or if they, they say, hey, we're going to have a sh- uh, an announcement, it'll be the following week on the 12th. So they'll announce it on the 12th. Now, when they actually ship or when they're available, that remains to be seen. But apparently this whole global chip shortage is bothering Apple less than most people because Apple, you know, threw their money weight around and bought up basically all of the production capabilities of the places that are still producing <laughs> so whatever is getting produced is going to apple and everybody else just has to sit on their hands and wait oh i tell you the whole logistics uh, thing got 
the whole cart got upset as it's not just technology it's just uh, uh oh yeah you can't even buy new, new cars with, <laughs> with with people shortages uh mm-hmm. the, you know the virus being involved in that uh it's it's everything yeah and and it's it's going to be chaotic uh this whole next year it's it, it it caused such great damage to a, such mm-hmm. a smooth running complex system that it'll take a long time to recover. Yeah. Well, our workforce has really significantly changed. There's a, there's a good number of people who have said, I don't want to go back to working in a, in a place where other people are. I'll work from home. Um, something that I read an article on the other day that I think a lot of people has hadn't anticipated is that a lot of couples learn to get by with less. And so now that they're, you know, starting people are going back to work, they're saying, well, we're getting by fine, so why don't just one of us go back to work and the other one stays home and takes care of kids and has more traditional role? And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it's a choice people are making. They're, they're saying, you know what, we've, we've learned to be a little, little, let, little bit less of consumers and, and to yeah. get by with a little bit less, and, and that's okay. Yeah, and, and the other thing that, you know, was a, mm-hmm. the, the, a plus out of this whole uh, uh health issue has been the uh the smog has disappeared in a lot of cities you know because the mm-hmm. cars are on the road yeah and so that's a that's a major thing and it, it's basically solved itself you know yeah yeah no it, it was funny there's um there's a couple uh documentaries on uh, on the shutdown you know the year of 2020 and how um, uh, a lot of wild animals kind of came back. In, in, and, in fact, animals that typically were having a single offspring had two offspring because there was less noise pollution and less people in, in their space. And they just, you know, it, it, it's stunning how quickly lots of stuff came back, you know. And it would be, I mean, not that I'm saying the whole world needs to shut down for another year, but just imagine if we shut down for a couple of years or we were literally, we see the things that made big changes. Maybe if we make just a few changes in how we do things that we can, um, uh, you yeah. know, let nature do a little regenerating because uh, it was stunning how, how much changed in just that one year, um, yeah. you know, of, of you know, now, at least in our country, I mean, we're obviously looking at what's going on in our country as opposed to around the world. Um, but, you know, we've sort of gotten back to the, the normal in terms of, of most people's day-to-day lives. But, you know, like you said, we're continuing to see shortages. There's a, basically, you know, everywhere you go, you go through a fast food drive through or something, and there's signs saying, A, first of all, be patient because we're understaffed. We're trying to hire more people, but people aren't don't want to work. And B, we have shortages of some of the the you know foodstuffs, and That's so it. not everything in our menu is necessarily going to be available. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, and it's just like okay, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. Well, the the main thing that's getting people panicky now is the retailers that are saying, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll be even open for Christmas because we can't get the stock we want. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we won't have anything to sell you. So what's the point? And nobody yeah. to sell you sell it to you. So, right. Yeah. So uh, that's that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So anyway, we were talking about the <laughs> the MacBooks, the MacBook Pros. So the rumor is is that we're going to have a 14 and a 16 inch instead of the they had, the the larger one had gone to 16 already. So it, it used to be 13 and 15, and the larger of the two laptops had gone to 16 inch uh, a year or two ago. Now they're saying that the smaller of the MacBook Pros will go to 14. So there'll be a 14 and a 16 inch screens, um, and they're saying that the edges will be flat sided 
uh, a la the more recent iPhones and the way the iPad Pros have been for a while. So there'll be a hinged top, but everything will have flat edges. And the biggest news, I think, for a lot of people is the return of some additional ports, like an HDMI or an SD card slot um, on the side of the computer. So not it's not you know um, USB-C exclusively on the sides of the, the computers, which I think makes a lot of sense. I think they just went too far in terms of trying to simplify. And, and, you know, it's like it's supposed to be a pro machine. Why do I have to carry my machine and then a, you know, a, a handful of, of dongles to get anything done? You know, I granted it gives you more versatility because you can plug in any kind of dongle you want. But that just means that you now have to be a dongle wrangler, you know. Yeah, and, you know, I'd like to be able to grab my laptop and my laptop be able to do things, not grab my laptop and then, oh, crud, I can't do this thing because I forgot to bring this stupid plug that plugs into the side of it so that I can attach it to, you know, insert whatever it is you need to hook your computer to. And, you know, they're just not you can't do everything over the air and they're not all standalone machines. You know, I mean, it's supposed to be a professional machine. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've dabbled in semi-professional photography i've got a niece who is a professional photographer you've got a granddaughter who's a professional photographer and you know i mean she couldn't function with a computer that didn't have a way to get the stuff from her camera into her computer (laughs) i mean she's got to be able to put the photos in there so that she can you know work her magic on them and and uh and then get them out to her customers and uh and that means you know taking an sd card out of a uh, camera and getting that into her laptop and, you know, carrying a, a dongle around or everything being dependent on, a you know, a, a $12 wire is just crazy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to see why do we uh, – how, how do you make a choice between a cable, a card transfer, or a radio transfer? Right. You know, the the real issue is how fast do you need to get it from one place to another? Well, and, and when places, it comes to the radio, it's 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 not even all supported. It's like you know, cameras don't aren't, aren't all made. You know, until Apple's making a professional camera that competes with Sony, Canon, and Nikon, they've got to interact with those guys for photographers. Yeah, and and the camera guys don't want to put something in there that adds weight to the camera, uh, or you know, uh, phys- physically. Uh, requires a battery being charged, you know, or something. Yeah. Because you go, the, the camera users oftentimes in some pretty wild environments, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, so. granted, Apple thinks the world uses their iPhones for every photo taken everywhere ever, but they don't, you know. And so you need to be able to attach, you know, get that. And and they've, you know, the, the world of, of cameras is pretty much standardized on SD cards. I mean, there's other ones out there, and especially some of the high-end pro ones have some, some faster memory formats that they use. But for the most part, they all support SD cards. And, you know, to not support that on your laptop, I mean, I know there are people who just went and bought PCs because, you know, it's like, I'm not going to mess with this anymore. At least the PC has a place for me to stick my memory card in and get it off and then upload it to wherever I need it or to do the editing that I need to do on it. Well, I I always like the idea of the the card slots being over by the printer. You know, I'm going to connect to a printer with, with most computer devices sometime or another, and I could just well go there and get my input from something. Yeah, but it's which works great if you're going back to a studio, you're working out of a studio. But if you're out in the field, um, you know, your workflow doesn't work that way. You know, if you're on location somewhere, uh, 
you know, you've got to be able to get the stuff from your com- camera into your laptop or your electronic device. And yeah, you can go buy the dumb little dongle and stick it in there. And, you know, like I've got a camera that uses two different memory card formats. One's an SD card and the other slot is a higher speed uh, uh, memory card. It's, I think, an XQD or something like that. Um, and it, you know, if I want to use that faster memory card, I I have to, uh, you know, then I have to get an adapter because they're not going to have an adapter for that built into any laptop. Um you know, but I set up my photos so that they take I take pictures in the faster memory card piece, and that way it can f- write to it quicker. And then I have that mirroring to the SD card. And then when I want to take photos out, I pull the SD card out and stick it in, and that's what I use to get the photos off of it. But uh, but that way I have you know the benefits of the faster memory. Excuse me, yeah. and and the the benefits of the SD card's universal, you know, usability. Um. Is but, is that the only kind of uh, memory chip uh, they use on cameras anymore? Is SDs? No, that's what I just got done saying. Mine uses two different kinds. I I have the option of using uh, one, the other, or both, and I can say you know use this first, and when it's full, use this, or I can say mirror the two. I can say put you know um, JPEG files on this card and put raw files of that same photo on this other card. I mean, I can you know I can configure it any way I want. Um, but what I do is just have it mirror from the faster card to the SD card. So that way, if I'm taking a whole bunch of pictures fast at a sporting event, um, I can continue to take pictures pretty much continuously because it writes to that card so quick. And then after it writes to that card, it then copies the file over to the SD card in the background. And so that way then, you know, I at some point, as long as you don't go pull the SD card out before it's done mirroring, um, yeah. you, you can, with you know, and... Quite frankly, it's not that much slower, but it's you know when you're taking a picture, it's enough. You know when you're out uh, when you're out on the field trying to take pictures of like a football game or something, and you're taking you know ten shots a second. You know the it'll start slowing down as it's trying to write to the memory card if you're using the slower memory cards. You know, and they're not that slow. I mean, the the, the SD cards have gotten much much better and faster. In fact, you know these days it's it's debatable as to whether the the faster um, format card is worth using at all because the SD cards have gotten so much better. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the old days with uh, with uh, spinning hard drives, right? Every time they came out with something that was faster or better than spinning hard drives, the spinning hard drives would get faster and, and cheaper. And at some point, they finally lost out to solid-state memory, but but they just, you know, it took a long time because they kept, they kept getting faster and cheaper, you know? Yeah, yeah. And to this day, if you want like a really large like archival storage, it still makes sense to use a spinning hard drive because it's fastest, fast enough, and cheaper. Yep. Yep. You know. But uh, anyway, these laptops, in addition to having some ports back and having flat sides, there's some other rumors about screens um, using the mini LED display that they've been using in the the latest version of the iPad Pro. Um, they're also talking about getting rid of the touch bar that replaced the um, the function keys across the top row, and and bringing yeah, well, back function keys. So that's already happened, I thought, in some of them. Um, in their lowest end model of the 13 inch uh, MacBook Pro, uh, you could get it with function keys instead of the touch bar. Yeah, and I know a lot of. 
programmers initially were upset about that touch bar because they use the escape key a lot when they're writing code. And with no escape key, they had to either map the key somewhere else or, you know, find a different way of doing things. And it was irritated a lot of people. Um, Subsequent versions of the touch bar then had, they, they brought the escape key back. So they had the escape key at one end of it. And at the other end is where they put the power touch ID key. And then yeah. in between that, they got rid of all the buttons and put the touch bar. So, I don't know. I, I, I've never had a computer that had the touch bar. It never struck me as something that was awful. It never struck me as something that was great. It was just this thing I read about. So, I don't have a whole lot of an opinion about it. Well, I could see a real benefit for people who, let's say, worked on a word processor or Excel spreadsheet or something like that. Mm-hmm. And basically had certain functions that they performed often, and just yeah. push one button and get a lot done. Yeah, uh, you know, it's appealing. Well, that was the whole idea behind it was that it would it was a set of touch it was a touch surface that gave you controls that changed specifically to the app that you were running. So yeah. you know, like if you were on uh, Photoshop, there was a slider that you could slide your finger along that would zoom in or zoom out quick and easy for you. You know, things like that, that, you know, and it was customizable. So you could go in and change that toolbar to have the functions that you particularly wanted, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked the idea, but apparently the implementation just never really caught on. I don't know. I, you know, again, I, I've not had one, so I can't tell you which apps do and don't support it and, and, you know, how well it was supported. But, uh, well, the, the problem with introducing new things like that has, has a whole lot to do with people's unwillingness to change the way they do business. You know, you get used to what you're doing, mm-hmm. and change is not, not easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, it, it depends, too. You know, it's not only the, the end users, but the developers. How many developers wanted to spend the time creating code to take advantage of this thing? You know? I right. mean... When you look at the the sales numbers, they it was never on the MacBook Air. It was only on the Pros. How many Pros are sold compared to the MacBook Air? The MacBook Air was overwhelmingly the number one selling Mac. Yep. You know, so most people who were buying brand new Macs weren't getting touch bars anyway. So, you know, it was designed to be something that, again, the Pro would use. Um, you know, how many of them did? I don't know. <laughs> again, I just don't know. But apparently, if they're going to abandon it, it wasn't enough, so... We'll see yeah. if they if that comes true, but yeah. uh, I don't know. You know, I I have a 2015 13 inch MacBook Pro, and have absolutely no desire to upgrade it. I don't use it that often anymore, and when I do, it does everything I want it to do just fine. Yeah, you know, I I I think about this all the time. You know, as to whether I should even be looking at a computer for myself again because Mm -hmm. i i can't imagine myself using it very much yeah yeah Yeah. i use when i use a mac it's a desktop and so if i were to get a new one and i eventually i probably will i it'll be a mac mini attached to my screen here and it'll just replace the desktop computer that i use uh when i i'm sitting in with something in my lap it's it's invariably my ipad you know, yeah. and I've got an iPad with a keyboard on it, so I can flip it around and use the nice keyboard if I want. And it's every bit as nice as the keyboard that I could use with my, you know, with my Mac. And yeah, I I don't have the I mean the the twelve point nine inch 
iPad, I, I switched down to the smaller size, um, which is I really like. It's more comfortable for me to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, but that does mean that my screen is a little bit smaller than it would be if I was using my laptop. But I will say that you know when I'm using my laptop, I don't always run everything full screen, and so the actual thing that I'm looking at is not always that full 13 inch size. Whereas on the iPad, I almost always run one app at a time. I mean, I know there's the, especially with the new new OS that just came out, iOS 15, it's easier to do multi-screen things. I still don't do it very much. I don't, you know, I flip back and forth more than I need to split the screen. On occasion, there's something that I want to be able to, like, look at while I input data into something else, and I'll split the screen. But that's pretty rare. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Anyway, they're speculating in here that uh, that they might have as many as 16 cores or even a 32-core GPU option available for these new MacBook Pros. Yeah. Man, that, that sounds like a lot of horsepower. Yeah, it sound, sounds like a, a supercomputer, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Happen. That's the only place that, that you heard that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's... Uh, that's astounding. You know what that tells me too is is that they've already got it built into their uh, compiler, so that more and more apps as they're being written and updated are going to be designed to take advantage of multitasking and multiple processors. Because right now, a huge number of apps still are you know even though there's multiple processors, they basically run a single thread. And I think that they're what they're they've got to be doing is building the compiler in their in their development system, so that it will really you know break down yeah. a program and say how can we spread this across multiple processors to to take advantage of them because you know all of our virtually all of them even the the intel stuff has at least you know four cpu yeah, this, cores now this is the first article that i've seen that sort of goes all the way it says for example the a15 bionic that's now in the in the uh uh, iPhone chipsets is a four-core GPU for the iPhone 13 and, thir- and 13 mini. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, uh, then they go on to say that. Uh, well, I guess it was above this that the M1s were eight-core GPUs and C- uh, eight-core CPUs and seven-core GPUs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven or eight Mac- on the MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. You know, and they also have an eight-core for both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're just performance. they're just binning the ones that that had a you know it's tough to make them in, that many cores. So if one of the cores fails, they said right. okay, well we'll just sell some seven core versions of it too for yeah. a while, which makes perfect yeah, sense. As, as long as they have that flexibility, you know, it's I'm wondering how how many cores they can end up putting in these things. You mm-hmm. know, we're we're talking some really small parts now. I mean, they're down. In, yeah, well, what? the rumor is they're going to be down to three. What a three, three micron. Nano. Microns, or what it is? Well, I don't know what it is. I can't remember the the scale. I always yeah. thought it was nanometer or something. Yeah, it is nanometer. You're right. So they were at five nanometer was the most recent one. the 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 new fifteen uh, in the in the phones is a five nanometer process, and yeah. theoretically they're going to a three nanometer process here on the next generation. So, but but that sort of gives you a good feeling. Now we're talking about you know how much processing power you have in, in each core yeah. assuming that these cores are somewhat comparable you know they're apparently mm-hmm. 
at the machine language level, comparable cores. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, they. It's funny because they talk about you know all of these systems now have, uh, you know, a certain number of high speed cores and a certain number of low power cores. Well, what is the difference between those cores? Is it just that the low power cores are set up to 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 cycle at a slower speed, or you know, how are they low power? How are they high speed? What's the difference? I'm curious. Well, you know, architecturally. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that uh, the the well, it's obvious that the low power is to is to save batteries. So that mm-hmm. if that's your concern and you're unplugged, then uh, yeah, yeah, you want you want to sip. Uh, in, in fact, at some point, they may allow you to just even say, use half the number of cores or change the, you know, specify how many you think you need or whatever. Right. I, I don't know how they'll do that. A, a power setting. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. Well, I mean, remember old old PCs used to have that. They had a turbo button, so you could decide if it what, what yeah. but that was just literally changing the clock speed. But, you know? But as, as far as I'm concerned, as I told you in a message, I think, or somewhere, that uh, anytime you're plugged into uh, 110 volts, uh, there's no concern about battery life, and so things should be going flat out. I don't care what it is. Yeah. You know? Uh, the only issue then is heating, and uh, you sh- your heating or your cooling system should be adequate for that. Otherwise, you're just arbitrarily limited. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's the problem with laptops is that sometimes that's what happens is the the uh, uh, the limitation is thermal, and they'll actually start cycling things back down just because of the um, thermal issues. Yeah. You know, because I mean, when they talk about a a you know the clock rate on things, that's not that that's ma- you know that's a maximum clock rate. It doesn't it doesn't only run at that speed. It can slow down. Right. You know, and so it'll slow down to save. And throttle back to save power, but yeah, I, I you know, but I, I just architecturally, I just don't know what the difference is between the the high speed cores and the and the low power cores. You know, I mean, is it that they run a subset of the of the machine code, or is it that they run they just run it slower? Those are cycled down slower. I mean, why don't you just lower the clock speed on the on the high speed ones then? I, I I'm curious as to how they. But they've done that, you know. It's like all of the all of their chips uh, in the last few years have always said, "Oh yeah, we've got X number of these high power cores, and we've got X number of these 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 uh, or high speed cores, and then low power cores built into this chip." Right. And I started thinking about that the other day. Well, what, what's the difference? You know, because yeah. I one of the things I read was is that you know even though they've got the high power cores, you'd be surprised at how how seldom they're used. That the low the, the, that the low power cores run most everything. Yeah, most of the time, they only turn on the high speed cores when they really need them. But again, yeah. I you know what's the difference? What does that mean? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm gonna have to do a little investigating. You know, because I mean, they can turn the clock speed up or down on any of them. So right. I don't know. I, yeah, that just—it's one of those conundrums, you know. So I'll have to do a little research. Haven't haven't done that yet. Um, did you know that today, October fourth, is the tenth anniversary of the introduction of the iPhone 4S, and that was the very first phone that had Siri on it. 
It's been really? 10 years now with a voice uh, huh. assistant, Siri, because that was the first one that was like publicly available with Siri. Remember, Apple bought that company. Um, Siri wasn't developed in-house. They bought Siri. You could, buy, you could download Siri as an app for a while, wow. even after they launched the iPhone 4S, and then they eventually shut the app off and just said, no, it's built in. You just use that. Yeah. So, huh. yeah, it's been 10 years, and in 10 years, it's gotten better. It's still not perfect, but it's gotten much, much better. I mean, there were lots of times when Siri was nothing but frustration for me early on. Yeah. Well, it's it's useful, mm-hmm. uh, but again, it requires that you you uh, remember the words and say them properly and things like that. And it's not something most people naturally do. Uh, they for except for a small subset of things. Yeah, you know, I, I, get used I, to. I'm it. sure Siri uh, understands a lot more things than most people use it for. Yeah. I, th- I you almost have to have like a a like a little uh, printout sheet to remind you to learn the you know the the learn to talk Siri right learn to speak right. Siri ease what are the things that you can do with Siri um, you know or any of the voice command things you know whether it's Google's or Amazon's you know that's the thing about them is that that you've got to know what to say you know I right. mean. You know, and and they say, oh, we'll just try something. Well, you know, that leads to a lot of frustration when it says, I'm sorry, I don't know how to do that. You know, <laughs> like, right. give me some ideas. You know, uh, things that I use the voice the voice uh, assistance for more than anything else, setting timers. Um, what's the, today's weather? You know, what's the weather prediction for today? So, you know, before I go out, like, what's, is it going to yeah. be hot today? Is it going to be rainy today? Whatever, you know, it's, that, that's an easy thing to do in the morning. You just say, yo, yo, yo shlomo, you know, what's today's weather? Um, and and then I use it for house automation. Yo shlomo, yeah. good night. Yo shlomo, uh, you know, turn on the living room lamps or something, you know, whatever. Uh, and I'm saying shlomo so that I don't set off a whole bunch of devices around the world when they're listening <laughs> to the podcast. Um, and then I set up one that's in my car uh, as a Siri shortcut that I use fairly regularly. And I just I, I say, yo, shlomo, I'm headed home. And when I say I'm headed home, it automatically calls up my map and maps me to home, looks at my estimated time of arrival, and then sends a text to my wife saying, uh, I'm on my way home. I should be there about, and then inserts the estimated time of arrival. Huh. Yeah. And that's that's kind of fun. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to remembering things, uh, just today I introduced myself to a new app. I've had it on my iPad for several days, and I kept. I, I've only read a few reviews on it, and they people really rave about it. It's called Rockmate, and it has to do with uh, the same kind of thing that GarageBand does with, uh, uh, you know, electronic music uh, on your iPad. Mm-hmm. Now, GarageBand is much, much more complicated and much, much more sophisticated. This is a simplified version, but I thought, well, I've played around with rock band, uh, I'm sorry, uh, garage band for quite a long time. And, and I still haven't learned the app. It's, yeah. there's, there's no good place to go other than 
when the stores were open, you could go in and attend seminars on various products. Right. And I think they had one on that at one point in time, but I never made it. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you really want to learn something about a complex app, you got to invest a lot of time. You know? And, yeah. Yeah. There's, and you know. I, I go to a regular jam session over at our our club clubhouse uh, where I live and uh, and hang out with a lot of musicians and uh, I I sing along and they'll ask, ask various people in the crowd you know you have any songs you want to do today you know and so mm-hmm. I come prepared to do one or two and uh, I've I found the the yesterday the song they they really couldn't accompany on it me on it because they didn't know it but I'd like to I, I can play instruments and I, so I said well this little rock mate has got two guitars a piano which is also an organ it's a total synthesizer really lots of different synths so you can make it sound any way you want and it's all on one screen so you can get you can switch from one to another to a drum kit if you want and you can create little uh, loops as they call it like a background loop of a drum beat that you want to go throughout most of any song you do so it's it's a fascinating thing but you but to learn how to put it all together is uh is a chore and Mm -hmm. uh i got to 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 where i have a pretty good understanding of it after spending maybe four hours or five hours with it except i run into a a real (laughs) headache as i know how to record songs and what uh, and with us, I can take a song that's just right, you know, out of my music app, anything that that's in there and I can import it into this app. And, uh, and then, uh, uh, play it back. And in the process of playing it back, I can overdub it, which basically says, make another recording of that same song, but with whatever I'm doing, I can play an instrument along with it, or I can presumably sing with it. You know, and I, that's what I wanted to do because I was playing a song by Alan Jackson and I had played it and just sat here and harmonized while he's singing. I'm singing a, a different note, uh-huh. you know, and I thought I had, you know, pretty a few segments that I really liked my harmony and enjoyed doing that. So I says, wouldn't that be cool if I went over there to my group and says, hey, I want to play a song for you. So I play mm-hmm. Alan Jackson and I'm just harmonizing with him, you know, like a sing along. Mm-hmm. However, the thing that vo- records the voice has a flaw in it, unless I get it working. And I found online, somebody said I have to hook up a USB thing. So that's, uh, I first tried to say, uh, it, well. Mm-hmm. You were connected via Bluetooth, and what they're saying is you had to be USB. That probably right. has to do with timing, because anything that's going to be radio connected, there's going to be a, you know, it may be a milliseconds, but there's going to be a delay. Whereas yeah. if you have a physical connection, it's going to you you can sync it better. Right. So anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to this app uh, because it it looks like I'm going to be able to have a lot of fun with it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I've uh, I can I can go find a whole bunch of music that I can do that same thing with. It's not just this one song. You know. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, but it was funny because you you know you said that that um, using GarageBand is too complex. But then you talked about spending several hours with this app figuring it out. 
So I oh, suspect I'm, if you I'm had gonna... spent several hours with with GarageBand, you'd have figured it out as well. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've spent days with GarageBand already. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, oh yes. I've yeah. spent lots of time, and I'm just about to give up on it. Yeah. Uh, it's just too too complicated. Yeah. And this this cuts out a lot of stuff. It makes it pretty directly usable, you know? Right. Well, and it's directly usable for the thing that you want to do. I mean, that the thing about right. things like GarageBand, and I have Logic Pro, which is the professional version of Apple's music recording thing, is that, um, you know, you could do tons and tons of stuff. You know, Logic Pro yeah. is overkill, for, but I go in and edit podcasts, you know, that's easy for me to do in Logic Pro. Yeah. But, you know, well, and, and I do some music stuff and do multiple tracking and things like that. But it's, you know, I could load in commercial music like you've done, but it's not specific to that. So I would have to go in and learn to do that and set that up. You know, you've got an app that's designed to do that and it works well for you for that way. So that's, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, you can do an awful lot of things with a hammer, but sometimes you need a wrench. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Oh, it's clear that GarageBand is meant for professionals. I have no doubt that it's a wonderful piece of software. It's just that you need to hang out with people who already have some understanding to kind of show you because the discovery process of, of learning is a very slow thing if you don't have any help, you know? Well, Apple would be, they would say, no, 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 GarageBand's for everybody. If you're a professional, go get Logic Pro. <laughs> yeah. GarageBand's the easy app. But again, it depends on what you're doing with it. Like doing what you're talking about with GarageBand is is less easy because you've got to you know source the music and get it into the device and and uh, but I mean it's it's not hard to set up you know to go in and record multiple tracks. Yeah, yeah. But um, to be honest, uh, I don't particularly care for GarageBand's interface. I, I actually think that Logic Pro makes more sense because it's set up more as a you know a digital audio recorder at whereas GarageBand in trying to simplify things has created menus that are like layers between me and what I want to get done that I have to kind of figure out how to get through. Um, yeah. so I, I don't like GarageBand very much either, but, uh, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, having a tool dedicated to doing the thing that you want to do. And it sounds like you found one that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've been enjoying it thus far. Anyway, I think we, we kind of got to move on. We've got some other really interesting things here uh, that, that you sent. I was noticing this uh, GMC Hummer EV pickup uh, yeah. electric vehicles. In the electric vehicle business, I am much more a proponent of, of uh, large trucks and all of that because the electric vehicle in terms of characteristic, engine characteristics is much closer to what a diesel is than it is to a gasoline engine. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's much more suited, really, for those kind of heavy loads. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't think they've started shipping them, but, you know, Tesla has uh, introduced or, or, or uh, has announced a, a uh, you know, basically a tractor-trailer, a big thing that's going to replace, like, you know, or compete against uh, yeah. freight liners and, and Mack trucks. Yeah, you know that's that's one of the it, things it, that they it, want to move into. In fact, that whenever I, you, you know, think about EVs, I remember mm -hmm. a lab that I had when I was studying uh, a power engineering course uh, to get my bachelor's degree, and we had these big monster motors, and those could be very dangerous if you hooked them up wrong. And one guy did that one day, and we're we're all lucky that it didn't start flying apart because it 
can just go hyperbolic in, in mm-hmm. you know, nanoseconds almost, you know. And it just shows the immense power of, of electricity. <laughs> yeah. But, of course, the vehicles uh, weren't even practical then because the storage source to carry batteries around was just not there. That's the that's the only real technology for electric vehicles. It's all mm-hmm. about the batteries, uh, because the motors have always had these uh, wonderful capabilities, and uh, that's in fact why some of the very first vehicles that were ever built were electric. Now, of course, the big old lead acid batteries took up most of the space in the vehicle, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and to this day, even with the different battery technology, it takes takes up a good chunk of space. They're just hiding it in like the floorboards and stuff, right? You know, uh, yeah. Because because of the the you know the the size, the physical size of the batteries, they're using lots and lots of small batteries hooked together, so they can kind of tuck it into lots of spaces. Right. But so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's anyway. interesting that that they're that they that. Their GMC has decided to to bring the Hummer back because they basically that was the vehicle that was completely killed by the uh, eco friendly folks who said this thing gets like eight miles to the gallon. It was right. it was crucified as being the worst vehicle ever for the environment, right? And that's well, the vehicle they bring back as their EV. <laughs> it's kind of funny because well, it was it was a, it was always a big seller. <laughs> well, you see, that was just the other side of the coin. You sh- they should have never built a big. Uh, gasoline-powered Hummer. I mean, that just... Well, it was a military vehicle, right? I mean, initially, that's well, what it was, was it was a military vehicle. And, yeah. you know, and... Uh, but and they, they should have made a diesel. It they made a, a diesel. Well, they did. They had a diesel one, and they had... Yeah. Uh, you could, there was a couple different drivetrains available for them, you know, and the, the H1 was the original Hummer, the one that was the military vehicle that they just sort of, right. you know, finished out nicer. But then they also had an H2 and an H3, which were somewhat smaller but they were big suvs i mean they were all made to look sort of the same so the one that they seem to be showing now it it looks sort of like a cross between the older one and a and the old one had a pickup version and this is sort of a pick pickup thing because it's got a bed on the back of it but uh still looking like a pretty large monstrous heavy duty off-road vehicle but yeah. uh those trucks uh, can look real imposing yeah but they're saying this thing's going to have like a thousand horsepower and twelve hundred feet of foot pounds of torque, so it's it is going to be quite monstrous in terms of uh, you know it's it's thirty five inch mud tires, so yeah. this is a big truck. Yeah, and yeah. and and they're gonna they're gonna be wonderful vehicles. You yeah, know? the the biggest issue is is keeping them charged uh, for a long you know day long mm-hmm. trip or whatever you're gonna do. Yeah, you know. I wonder if anybody's going to come out with like um I granted it's not going to charge it because it's too much but you know have a, a, a like a solar panel on on the uh top of it or something so that it, at least you can have like a limp home mode right but uh, I, I I think that in the truck arena a most logical thing is this battery pack thing that sits on the back where where they used to have some big fuel tanks and stuff mm-hmm. for diesel and and you just you just offload this battery pack and unload another, and you're on your way for another 12 hours, you know, yeah. whatever. Well, and, you know, they're, they're, of course, until they go completely driverless, there's laws saying you're only allowed to drive X number of hours, and then you have to park. And right. so uh, now they'll just charge when they park. So Yeah. 
you know. You know, and and that's a solution that you really don't want to deal with in cars, you know. Yeah. Exchanging the battery pack unless somebody gets real clever and so the bottom the, the Yeah. Well, the bottom te- drops out of your Tesla car. designed that and they showed it but then they never actually implemented it. Yeah. The ability to change out your battery pack in less than 4 minutes. They said the average stay at a gas station is four and a half to 5 minutes. And we can change our battery pack out and have you on the road again in four minutes. And that was, and they showed it, but then they never did put it into place. I don't think that there was enough demand amongst their people. Who are they? Tesla. Tesla, oh. Tesla showed that with their original Model S car. They demonstrated about two years after they announced it. Uh, people were complaining that it takes too long to charge and why should you do that? So they showed. It's like, okay, we could do this. But... The people who actually bought Teslas never none, none of them were complaining so much, so they just never implemented it. Yeah, but uh, you know, I always thought that what they should do with those big semis is is uh, just put the battery pack in the trailer. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> just hitch up a new trailer and you got a full load of, of juice. Well, and, that's, that's another and, possibility. And you, just... you put enough charge into whatever you're hauling to to say this will get you there. And that's just yep. part of the cost of hauling is charging up the, the trailer to take it. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of options, though, in, in that, yeah. when you're hauling stuff. So. Right. Well, and that would mean then, you know, retrofitting all of the all of the uh, the trailers that they're hauling, right, which that's an yeah. expensive proposition. Yeah. You know. So yeah, there's, that, there's some downsides with it, too, right? Yeah, that's re-architecting things. So. Yeah, it's interesting too that uh, you know, I this is a GM product, you know, and GM is the company that just had to recall all of their Chevy Bolts, their electric cars because of some battery issues. So hopefully they've resolved that. I read an article saying that they're actually using a different vendor for these than they are with the Bolt uh for their for their core batteries. Um Yeah, did you see that one of uh I can't remember the name of the company that that the, the company does more building and assembling for Apple than anybody in the world now has had purchased a, a previous factory. Yeah, an old uh, GM car. factory, right? Yeah. So yeah. I thought I thought that was kind of interesting uh, uh, that they yeah. might get into the business of building Apple cars or something. Yeah, I saw that too. Apparently, they're um, you know. They, the way the article was written, it implied that they're they're doing this to position themselves to be in the running to build the car, as if Apple hasn't already said who's going to build their car, um, you know. But uh, it was Foxconn was the company, right? And yep. uh, you know, it seems to me they wouldn't be going and spending millions of dollars buying an assembly factory if they didn't already have a customer, whether it was Apple or somebody else, to start building, right? You know computers on wheels which is essentially what they're doing so right yeah so i i assume you know whether it's apple or somebody else they've got to have a contract because you're not going to go out and spend millions of dollars on a factory on the hope <laughs> that you might maybe get a contract to build a car yeah that doesn't this, sound... this, this is going to upset the whole business of auto manufacturing that's for sure yeah yeah well it's because the guy you know the the people who know electronics are looking at this going well, this is just another electronic device. We can build one of those, right. you know. And of course, the car people are going, no, no, no. This is this is cars. They're much different, much more complex. Lots of issues you're not aware of. And I suspect that initially there are going to be lots of issues they're not aware of, but they can get that expertise. Yep. 
But, you know, the, the car manufacturers, in order to protect themselves, probably have a whole bunch of, of laws that they've lobbied for over the years that make sure that your car has to do this and has to do that. And they're all, you know, there for the safety of the customer, I'm sure. But they're also probably worded just so that they can limit how many people can come into that business because, you know, that's one way of blocking competition, right, is just make sure that there's lots of legislation making it hard for the competition to get into that business. Right, and when you get a big corporation going in any area, that's one of their strategies. Always is. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Obviously, there's lots of people out there doing it. I mean, we were just talking the other day about the Lucid car that's out there that has a 520 yeah. mile range on it, and you know, so there's new car manufacturers popping up. It's kind of an exciting time in that area, isn't it? It really is. It really is. I mean, the last time, that's, that's always been thought of, at least in my lifetime, as sort of a staid industry. And there was, you know, uh, a yeah. a kind of set number of manufacturers. And then that number kind of condensed, um, you know, in the early 2000s because of the, the uh, recession that kind of hit. And, uh, and so then, the, you know, you, some of the manufacturers sort of disappeared, um, you know. And even the manufacturers that are here don't make all the brands they used to, right? We don't see Oldsmobiles and Pontiacs and Mercury's rolling down the road anymore, unless they're really old ones, because um, yeah. they don't exist anymore. Um, you know, and in my yeah. lifetime, AMC disappeared. Um, you know, and yeah. Jeep Jeep switched from being independent to being bought by AMC and then being bought by Chrysler. Right. So you know, I mean, it's so it wasn't completely stayed. But uh, but it's amazing how many new companies are are coming into this area because of this change in technology. You know the the likes of Tesla and Lucid and um, Rivian is another one. They sell a uh, an electric truck that's already available. Um, you know BMW yeah. has now got a line of electric motorcycles. So yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's exciting. The the area who who would have thunk it that you know in the in the twenty twenties that transportation would become a, a a really interesting area of technology again. Yep, yep. Well, that's a pretty major change when you change out the engine. I mean, after all, what is a it car is. but an engine with some steel wrapped around right. the seat stuck in it? You know? Yeah. Well, and you know, I think honestly, a lot of a lot of the manufacturers are taking this as an opportunity to also sort of rethink the application of technology within the vehicle. So there's lots of, of not sure. just the the drivetrain changes, but lots of, of other technology. They're saying, well, how can we apply these other technologies in these vehicles to make the whole experience different, better, safer, you know, whatever. Sure. Uh, yeah. Less hands-on. <laughs> I know that's a goal, but hasn't really happened very much. Um, but anyway... So there's a few other things that are going on. Um, Apple Apple did announce this morning that pre-orders for the uh, Series 7 watch will be this Friday um, and that they'll be available on October 15th. So they're going to be start ordering on the 8th and be available for pickup in stores, and they'll start shipping uh, out to people on the following Friday on the 15th. So if anybody's interested in new Apple watches, that's happening. And then... Um, they also just changed over their uh, iCloud Safari bookmarks. Those are now end-to-end -end encrypted. So if you book bookmark pages and you sync to iCloud, it's end-to-end -end encrypted. So they cannot 
get that from your iCloud backup anymore, which, um, I, you know, I think that's a step in the direction of saying they're going to encrypt your iCloud backups at some point. Um, they seem to be going that way, but they just haven't gotten there yet. Because right now, that's a major security issue with Apple, right? They say, oh, everything that happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Unless, of course, you back it up, in which case, which we tell you to do, right? We tell you back up, back up, back up. So, But if you actually do that, then nothing's secure because everything you back up is unencrypted and sits on our servers. And if somebody comes to us and says, you've got to give that to us, then we do. Help, so. help me out. Help, help me out. I, I see your article here, uh-huh. but Safari bookmarks, I don't really know what that means. It's just in your browser when you bookmark a page so you can go back to find the page. Do you ever bookmark pages? No. Oh, really? I have all kinds of pages bookmarked, stuff that I go back to all the time. I have, like, Amazon and Apple and Audible bookmarked on in, in one place. Under tech, I've got, you know, Mac Rumors and Mac Daily News and iMore and Six Colors and Tidbit and The Verge and, you know, and Antech and Gadget and CNN, and I mean, or, or CNET. All that stuff is bookmarked, so I don't have to type in the names. I just click on it and go. And those sync to my account. So I have the same bookmarks, whether I'm on my Mac, my phone, or my iPad. I just click on the bookmark, and it takes me right there. Hmm. Well, you don't use bookmarks. That's stunning. I don't use them, no. No, I no. use them all the time. I, oh, okay. I almost I, I the only time I type in my uh, search bar is when I'm literally searching for something. But the, well, the things that I go to regularly are all bookmarked. Part of it is I've had a very bad experience of of things online. You know, like I've I've saved links and made my own page of links. And mm-hmm. you know, you can go back to that same page a year later, and I'd say a quarter of them don't work anymore. Hmm. I don't have that problem at all. There's too much stuff out there that people will change and and reorganize their links or something. Maybe put one step in between or whatever. And lo and behold, boom, you're gone. There is a little bit of how you save that stuff. Like I don't save a specific article. I save the the homepage of the the place I'm going to. You know, like uh, you and I have occasionally gone to, uh, in the past, gone to Mac Daily News, right? My bookmark is for back the, the homepage for Mac Daily News. So when I go to it, I always see whatever is the newest article. I don't save the article. If I want to save the article, then I actually take a, a uh, I use an app called Pocket, and I save it to Pocket. And Pocket actually takes a snapshot of the entire web page and saves it so that I can go back into Pocket. And even if the web page has been taken down, I still have a snapshot of it. And I can see what was there and reread the article. So I use Pocket to save specific articles. But if I want to save a location where there might be interesting things like Mac Daily News or Google News or whatever, those I put into bookmarks. So oh yeah, bookmarks. but if you, just save, if you save the top level article for Mac Daily News, uh, that's ten years of stuff. No, it's just the front page. It's their front page, and it's you know whatever happened today. I mean the the most recent stuff. I mean I can roll back. I guess Thursday, September thirtieth is here. You know, I mean I can keep rolling back. And you're supposed and you're supposed to look at that and remember what was on that that in Mac Daily News on that day. No, you know, why would I? I don't. You're missing the point. I want to say what's going on in Mac Daily News right now. I don't go to a specific article on Mac Daily News. I go to the front page of Mac Daily News and I look at the articles. But if I save it, I want to know the exact article. 
Not, no, I don't. The, I want to be able to go back and look at tomorrow and see what the news is tomorrow. On Thursday, I want to see what the news is on Thursday. I don't want to care what the news was today. If there's a specific oh. article that I'm interested in, if when I'm reading it, I find an article and I say, hey, that's interesting. I might want to come back to that. Then I save that in my app called Pocket. And then Pocket takes a snapshot of it. And if the web page disappeared tomorrow, I would still have a snapshot of it. And I could still go back and read it in Pocket. Okay, I don't know what pocket is, but that's just the same as saving it to photos, right? I can. Except that photo takes a single page, pocket saves the entire web page. Pocket saves the way. Okay, is that an app? Yes. Never heard of it. Anyway, I'll have to learn about that. Yeah, it's a, a way to save, like, page clips and stuff. Um, I'm sending you a link to their home web page. It's available on iOS and on uh, Mac OS. But but I thought we were supposed to be able to save, I could say, make a PDF of a page directly from Apple's browser or from Safari. I can say save, make PDF, and, uh-huh. and doesn't... And that that saves that whole web page, right? Yeah, you can do a, a PDF, and it'll save the screenshot, or it'll save the whole web page. But I personally don't want a bunch of web pages in my photos. I want my photos to be photos. And so even if I take, like, informational photos like that, I usually delete them out of photos and save them in a note or or something like that. But I use Pocket. Well, when you make a PDF, that doesn't assume it goes into photos. I just ask you for a place to store it, right? Um, yeah, you can put it in files, and then you got to go find it in files. So, yeah. Okay. I, I, there's there's lots of different ways to do this. The preferred way in my book is the uh, is the link to that page because then I don't have to store very much, and I can put my own context around it. Uh, and put it with a, a like bunch of of, of other links. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can do that in Pocket as well. Um, you know, it's just a choice of where you want to do. I mean, you're storing links, but the problem is, is you say you get a bunch of dead links then because the page is gone. Whereas in yeah. Pocket, I mean, it does. I mean, I guess if you're saving PDF files, then it's PDFs. Um, you know, and I don't know what the native storage you know, thing is through Pocket. But I like Pocket because it also uses iCloud to sync. So um, I can save it in Pocket and then listen, you know, look at it again later on my phone or my iPad or my laptop or my desktop. So, yeah. um, okay, I, but I, it, it just stuns me that you don't use bookmarks. I mean, I, I literally have hundreds of bookmarks. I've got folders with bookmarks that are, are like I have one called Parts. And underneath it, I've got, like, uh, places to buy parts and pieces to repair um, uh, Macs, like iFixit is under there, um, you know, or where to buy hard drives. I've got one, a, a folder called, uh, of bookmarks called Programming, and it's got, like, Swift Tutorials and Swift uh, Cheat Sheet and Apple, it's clicks to, you know, a link to Apple Dev and, and Code Academy and Stack Overflow, which has, you know, snippets of code you That's, can use. Um, I've, I've got... I've got twelve bookmarks, Todd. I've got a, a I've got a, a, a folder of swimming uh, links because uh, I coach swimming, and there's probably forty links in that folder that go to you know have to do with with different things around swimming and coaching. 
you know, I've got a link called Bills, and it's got all the places I go to pay my monthly bills. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I use I use bookmarks extensively. So, and now I can sleep better because they're encrypted end to end in Safari. <laughs> I, I, well, I could care less if they're encrypted end to end, but like I said, I think it just indicates that they're going to start encrypting more and more stuff that gets saved to iCloud, so that that you know, that's a big hole in the Apple sort of picture that they're painting of yeah, we're secure and everything we do is secure, unless of course you back up your devices, in which case then everything's open and available to anybody who asks for it, yeah. any authority that asks for it, so. you know. Yep. So, uh, okay, I'm going to have to remember Pocket here. I'm going to have to check that one yeah. out. I just sent you two links. One is the main page, and one is their About page that kind of tells you a little bit about it. it they don't explain it very well. <laughs> I think I think the best thing to do is just go to the App Store and, and type in Pocket. They give you a better explanation there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so... It's it's about time to call it quits, I think. Yeah, it is. We've been going for about an hour and 40 minutes. I think we're wrapping it up, huh? So, hey, um, anybody listening, I do want to suggest that you listen to some of our other podcasts if you're interested. In addition to Generation Tech, we have Two Minute Tech, and that's exactly what it says. It's two-minute tips on how to do things, and it is sort of slanted towards uh, Apple stuff, but I also put in tips for Windows, and especially if there's something you can do in both Mac and Windows or iOS and, and Mac and Windows, then I explain how to do it in each of the different environments. Um, and then the other one that we have is two for brew and that comes out on Thursdays and that's, you know, kind of specific to the inland empire, but we visit lots of local brew pubs and talk about what they've got and what they offer and what we like and don't like. And, uh, and that one's also entertaining if you're at all interested in that kind of thing. So, um, here from the shack outback studios, we have a variety of podcasts that people might be interested in. (laughs) Yeah. So today. Yeah, good day. So thanks for joining us, and we will be back next week on Monday again. Thanks for uh, for listening. Mm-hmm.